Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Jen, you're amazing. <laughs> How you guys doing? Oh, it is so great to be here with you, y'all. Catherine, um, y'all, thank you so much for those announcements. Good stuff. I'm just getting set up here. This will make sense later, much, much later. But, um, yeah, hey, guys. Um, my name is Marcus Floyd. I'm on staff here. I Alpha. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here with you guys tonight, Wednesday Night Live where we gather together to encounter God. And um, before I dive into the message, I just have this announcement to make to all the seniors. Seniors, where you at? Okay, see some seniors, yeah. So guys, uh, we've got the CMIT, the Campus Missionary and Training Program internship that we've got. Um, and I just want to tell you a little bit about that. The CMIT program uh, internship is a nine-month internship, we have an opportunity, if you're a graduating senior, to be able to take that step and see what vocational ministry looks like. Um, it's really, really an amazing year of growing and seeing how God has uh, uh, wired you to uh, potentially step into ministry. I went through the CMIT program here at Richmond uh, Chi Alpha in 2016, and it was a blast. I had the opportunity to serve with Allison and Hannah uh, Palma, which, y'all, it was an incredible year. And through that, I learned that God called me into vocational ministry, <laughs> um, not short term, but for long term. And I'm really, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it is just a blast. Um, this is year number six, and I'm so glad I said yes. I'm so, so glad I said yes to ministry and to serving in Chi Alpha, and so, yeah, it is an honor to be here uh, with you guys. So, um, yeah, the application, the early bird application deadline is February 15th, so please do not hesitate uh, to contact any of the staff, myself, Mike, Jen, any of the staff, Ashley Granados, the intern, yes, if you have any questions about the CMIT program, connect with us, we'd love to talk with you. Um, so, awesome, so, uh, you got all the information um, I want to dive into tonight. So um, I just want to share a little bit. About three years ago, a few of the staff members and I decided to take a trip to Strangers. And if you're not familiar with Strangers, it is a flower slash plant shop. Um, there's one on Mechanicsville, down in Mechanicsville. And I don't remember exactly why we decided to go to Strangers. It might have been a conversation about the amazing health benefits that you get from having a plant in your house. Or it might have been something about the awesome decor of having like flowers and plants in your house. But either way, I was very passionate about going to Strangers. Like, okay, so passionate that if you know me a little bit, I, I like to obey the speed limit. Like if the speed limit is 60 miles per hour, I go 60 miles per hour. And as I was driving on the highway, the speed limit was 60 miles per hour. However, however, I was driving like 62 miles per hour. That's how excited I was and getting to strangers. I was super pumped. But I'm very self-aware. I, <laughs> I don't drive in the middle lane or left lane like going 60 miles per hour. I'm self-aware. I stay in my lane, literally and metaphorically. I stayed in the far right lane <laughs> to get to strangers, and it was great. Uh, but besides all that, uh, I get to Strangers, and um, I pick out the plant that I want, and it was an aloe vera plant, and I named him Alfred. If we could, there's Alfred. Alfred, the aloe vera plant. Uh, the picture, proud, proud uh, plant owner, and Alfred was amazing. But uh, the picture doesn't really do it justice because uh, when I got Alfred, he had some sunspots. He was in some rough conditions, and uh, his leaves were really, really messed up. Um, but I got him. 
and I put him in a nice pot, got some soil for him, and I watered him, and I put him in my room, right on the shelf of my bedroom. And, you know, he was getting some sunlight, but it really wasn't great. Time went on, like days and weeks, and Alfred was not thriving. He was having a hard time. Um, and he didn't get any consistent sunlight. So I decided to move Alfred off of the shelf in my room and closer to the window uh, near my, on, on, on my nightstand. And Alfred, he was thriving. He just thrived. Let me show that next picture. Alfred, he grew. Again, the picture doesn't do it justice, but Alfred was thriving. He had the glow up, as some people may say. He was doing so well. He got more sunlight, and he was, I didn't turn to the sun, and uh, he got, he had everything that he needed. And um, I didn't study plants for a living, but here's the really cool thing about plants. In order to grow, plants need sunlight um, as their roots anchor into the soil and absorb the water they need. Um, there's a difference between the first picture and the second picture, and it was the sun. Um, the sun, it didn't, you know, disappear when the plant was on the shelf. The sun rose day in and day out, and it was constant through rain, storms, all the things. Um, it stayed the same, it was constant. Uh, what changed was the position of the plant from the shelf to the nightstand. It was exposed more to the sun's rays and its warmth as it was on my nightstand. Uh, putting it in the storage closet wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> Printing out a picture of the sun from Google was not going to do the trick, was not going to help the plant. And to putting it next to a lamp wasn't gonna do anything either. To be alive and to grow and to flourish, the plant needed to be near the unending source of light from the sun. I needed to place the plant near the light, the real sunlight. Placement matters. As I look at my life, I find myself a lot of times <laughs> like the first picture of the, of the plant, of the aloe vera plant, wilted, dry, needing nourishment. And the problem that I run into is when, when, when I'm dry and I'm, 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 I'm needing nourishment, I'm needing sunlight, if we follow the metaphor, um, instead of being near the source of light, um, I run to social media, I run to uh, Twitter to um, occupy my time or try to satisfy a need that I have. But the thing about Twitter is when I see tweets that make me angry, I end up having like arguments in my head with a person that I don't even know and the person doesn't even know me. And it's just really, really bad, um, but it doesn't satisfy. Social media does not satisfy. Or instead of anchoring where I need to be, I'll anchor myself onto the couch, eating key lime pie and watching Netflix's The Great British Baking Show, which again, awesome show but it doesn't give nourishment, it doesn't, it doesn't provide, and doesn't give the anchor, that it's, not a, it's not a trustworthy anchor. But also, sports. I'll try to anchor myself in sports, watching, um, man, that game of the Dallas Cowboys. I feel bad for people that are Dallas Cowboys fans, that's rough, that's rough. But again, those things that I run to, that I try to anchor in, they don't satisfy. They come up empty every single time and wanting more and more. But none of those things satisfy. But I know that's a problem that all of us face in our lives. We can relate to the first picture of the aloe vera plant, being away from the source. 
And I know a lot of us um, in here probably grew up in the church. We say that we, we love God with our lips, but our lives say an entirely different story. We say that we love God, but instead of anchoring ourselves in our love for him, what we do instead is we uh, cram our schedules so much. We fill our lives with so many things, so much stuff. And we say, if I could just spend these four years of just buckling down, um, with studying harder, adding more things on top of my plate, doing that thing, getting that internship, this thing or that thing. And then once I graduate, once I get that career that I really, really want, then, then I'll spend time with God. Then I'll take my devotional life serious. But rather than anchoring our lives into God, we anchor our lives into our quest for achievement. It's empty. It's empty. Or we say, I love God, but instead we are fearful about living out our, our faith in God out loud on an every single day basis. And we begin to uh, worry about what people will think of us. What will people think if I... Um, live my life authentically uh, for Jesus. And rather than, than anchoring our lives in God, we anchor our lives into people's perception of us. We don't anchor into God's love. We anchor into the self-image that we create. Here's the thing. Anything or anyone that we anchor our lives into outside of God's love will disappoint us. It always will. It's not a trustworthy anchor. None of it is. Achievement, self-image, people's perceptions, all of it. Anchoring outside of God's love will leave us empty. So what do we do about this? We aren't plants. We're not humanoid plants like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. But we are human beings created in the image of God. And the same principle applies to us. To be alive, to grow, to be sustained, we need to be open and anchor our lives to the unending source of light that always has been and always will be. And that is always consistent. Placement matters. Nothing else satisfies except for God's love for us found in Jesus. God's gift of love to all of us. And so tonight, we're going to be continuing our sermon series called The Anchored Life. Uh, we live in a very wild and unpredictable world, and it resembles choppy waters uh, of the ocean. So in the waters, what are you anchored to? Where are you placing your anchor? Is it consistent? Is it real? Is it reliable? Is it sturdy? Are you positioning yourself to the never-ending love of God? And are you loving God? Mike kicked us off last week during Wednesday Night Live, sharing with us the overview of the three anchors in Kyle for love God, love people, pass it on, or real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. These anchors are core to who we are in Kyle, but it's in our DNA. And this semester, we're diving deep into each anchor and so tonight, I'm kicking off the Love God Anchor. We're going to be spending the next three weeks in Love God or Real Devotional Life. We use those interchangeably. 
So why place God first? Why is loving God so important? Why are we spending time tonight talking about loving God? And why are we spending multiple weeks there? Because the human heart is wired to love, to set down anger. It's not a question of if you love, but a matter of what you love and how it forms you into the person you will become. And where we place ourselves to receive love our heart and the trajectory of our lives in eternity. Last week, Mike said in his message, as we grow in love for God, it outflows out of our lives and into the world. We need so much of God's love in our world and on our campuses. So tonight, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul in the letter of Ephesians and see what it means for us to love God and put ourselves in place to receive his love. If you got a copy of the Bible, uh, we're going to be in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. It's also going to be on the screen. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And if you'd like a hard copy of the Bible, we've got some way in the back right over there. They are free for you. It's our gift to you. Go ahead and grab one if you like. So let's dive in. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. This is Paul speaking. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So a little bit of context to this passage. Paul is writing this letter from prison, um, and he's sending this letter um, to the church community that's in Ephesus. And when he writes this letter, it's been some time since he's been um, in Ephesus. God did so much through his ministry. Paul, on his missionary journey in, in the city, um, it was uh, incredible. If you look in Acts chapter 19, there is a lot of, it's just like incredible. He's there and there's like a riot. There's uh, people who were worshiping uh, Greek and Roman idols. They turn away from those idols and they become followers of Jesus. And it, it is incredible. No one died in Acts chapter 19, but it gets pretty wild. And there are Jews and Gentiles that are there becoming not only aware, but experiencing the love of God and turning their lives to him. And what's really interesting, I looked it up in, in Acts chapter 19. Um, there is a lecture hall uh, that the people would often go to, Tyrannus's Hall. And Paul uh, would go through there, and he shared constantly the message of the gospel. And, and people were there to engage. And Paul wasn't the only person that was there. There were other uh, uh, speakers that would come and share um, about different um, philosophies, but out of all those things and all the people that shared within the lecture halls, people's lives were transformed by the gospel, and that's powerful. Fantastic. And so if we look at the therefore that Paul is talking about, Paul is reflecting in this passage the powerful reality of the gospel. Paul is expressing gratitude for what God has done through, through Jesus, through Jesus we see in this passage that there is true unity 
where reconciliation to God and to one another happens, and that where salvation happens and God's promises are fulfilled. Paul is also reflecting in gratitude and thankfulness that he was able to be a messenger in spreading the gospel and seeing the gospel lived out in front of his eyes when he was there in the city. Jews and Gentiles together, united in the one family of God through the work of Jesus. This is the community that Paul was writing to. The gospel was transforming lives in that city. The first thing I want us to focus in on in this letter that Paul wrote is that we can trust God's love as the anchor because God has all power. God has all power. Here in the first part of Paul's prayer to the church, he starts his prayer to God, asking that they would receive power deep inside of them. But power for what? Accomplishing their own bucket list? Fulfilling their wildest dreams? No, Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus to receive power from God so that they could make space for Jesus to have home in their heart as they continued to place their faith in him. It's important to remember that in this passage that Paul is speaking to a community of people who placed their faith in Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. And so we look at this letter and we, we know that receiving power from God is not a one-time thing. It is an ever-increasing, day-by-day opportunity to receive power from God. So what does this mean for, for us as we look at Paul's prayer? It means this incredible reality that when it comes to God, he takes the first step. And he gives us what we need to be with him. But how? He gives us his Holy Spirit, which makes way for Jesus to give us capacity to receive his love and to love him in our relationship. And our relationship with God is marked by closeness, depth, and intimacy. And why can we have confidence in our relationship with Jesus? Look again at verse 16. Paul says that out of his glorious riches, God never runs out of his power in our relationship with him. He never runs dry. He never runs dry. He never runs out of his power. It's the exact opposite of what we've been facing these past two years of not being able to find toilet paper. Not being able to, like, find gas at the gas station. All the mac and cheese is gone. All, all these things that we've been experiencing these past two years. But no, our Heavenly Father has glorious riches. He will never run out of his power. Will you anchor into God's love for you? Will you anchor into God's love for you? So what can that practically look like? The most practical thing that I think that we can do is to follow, is to follow Paul's example, to place and position yourself before your Heavenly Father who loves you. You can pray to him. He's listening. You were made to be loved by God. And it, it just starts simply by just asking God and praying to him and saying, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you speak to me? As we look at scripture, as I look at scripture, God, this is who you say you are. Can you show yourself to me? Kneeling, praying, using your body as a way to communicate and respond to him. Where? Where, where can we do this? Your dorm room or your bedroom? If there's a lot of distractions or not a lot of personal space, even go to the bathroom. <laughs> go, go, in the, go in the bathroom, shut the door. Your roommate might be like, why are you in there for like 45 minutes? <laughs> do what you got to do. 
do what you got to do to spend time with God. Do whatever you have to do. You may look foolish, but there's no other anchor that we can place other than Jesus to love him and to receive his love, whatever it takes. And when you talk to God, we we spend time with him. Don't be afraid to be silent for a couple of moments. He's not in a rush. He's not in a rush. We can be silent before him in his presence. We can anchor into God's love because he has all power and it never runs out. He meets us where we are. We can also anchor into God's love because we are called to encounter God. We are called to encounter God. We see in the second part of Paul's letter, he asks the Father that the Father's power would also give the Ephesians the ability to know the love of God that reaches far out in all directions. He's praying that the Ephesians would encounter Jesus' love that, that's not reserved or shy, no timid, but it goes out further and further and far outreaching. Knowing here is not an abstract concept. It goes beyond that. It goes to personal experience. So I was reading about honey, and I was, you know, doing some research about Jonathan Edwards, and he makes this great uh, comparison about knowing in an abstract way versus knowing for full experience. Um, for instance, honey. I can tell you about honey, and if you look here, we've got a nice little molecular diagram of honey. And so you've got hydrogen bonds, you've got oxygen, you've got like some covalent bonds which are happening out there. And um, I've exhausted all of my orgo. That's all I got about honey. Um, I didn't take orgo at VCU, I kind of skipped that. My uh, professor was like, hey, you want to take orgo? You can take it as an elective. Who would want to take orgo as an elective? Knowing, oh, no thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll pass. Um, so there's knowing about honey, but then there's knowing about honey. So I've got honey right here, and you can see honey and the smell of honey and the taste. That's some good honey, y'all. The taste, the smell, knowing honey, experiencing honey, it hits different. There's personally experiencing honey. And that's the kind of knowledge Paul wanted the Ephesians to experience with God. That's a real full encounter with God's love. It's Christ's love flipping the first century world upside down through people that were holding on to the love of Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. So what does this mean for us? It means that we have access to God's love for us through Jesus in tangible ways, actually experiencing his love. But how do we make space for Jesus' love? knowing who he is and encountering him. We encounter him by reading his word in the Bible and scripture, getting to know him, his heart, and his far-reaching love. 
It can be seen from the first pages in the Bible in Genesis all the way to the end in Revelation. Encountering, tasting, grasping how wide, deep, and high is the love of Jesus to be filled to the full with him. And loving God is not something to be experienced one time and then moving on with our lives to other more important things or more advanced things. Loving God is the foundation upon which everything else is built. We can't skip that. The love of God is not something to be mastered, but it's something to be surrendered to again and again and again and again each day, each moment, in good seasons, challenging seasons. Whether it's the first time or the, or the millionth time, God never runs out of his love, and it's an opportunity for us to experience him again each moment. His love never fails us. Jesus' love is an anchor that can be trusted. Will you anchor into God's love, embracing Jesus' love for you? Will you anchor into God's love, embracing his love for you? So what can that look like? Again, as I mentioned in the back, we've got Bibles that are there that are free for you. If you don't have one, please, again, grab it. That's, that's you. That's for you. But also, you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Um, if you got a smart with phone, which I think most people do, but if you don't, again, hey, that's okay. You got the hard copy Bible. Um, but please, um, you can take a look at that. Again, most people are familiar with that, but if you're not, download the YouVersion Bible app. There are different opportunities to seven to devotional plans that are seven days, three days. Um, it's a great place to start. Uh, one of the things that I do right now in my devotional life is I get distracted um, easily. And so one of the things that I do is I have my hard copy Bible open um, each morning, but I also have the audio of the Version Bible app as well. So I'm engaging in, in scripture in multiple ways. Visually, I've got the paper as well, but I'm also hearing it as well. Um, so that's an opportunity that um, I want to invite you guys to try and check out. But also, um, the Bible Project, they're like really awesome Bible nerds. They're incredible. They have a YouTube channel, but also they were just released a um, Bible Project app. I highly encourage you to check that out, um, any of these um, apps. But the most important thing is the goal isn't just to add something to the to-do to list. The goal is not to add scripture as something that's just another thing on the to-do list, but it's to meet with Jesus, to spend time with him, encountering his love again and again, anchoring our lives into Jesus' love. He can be trusted in every single season, in difficult seasons, in challenging seasons, no matter what season we find ourselves in. So um, back in the fall, um, I uh, went to a restaurant with uh, my girlfriend, and we had a fantastic time um, at the restaurant. Um, but at, at, as we were leaving, um, we were walking out towards the back of the restaurant. This guy, out of nowhere, um, uh, verbally confronts my girlfriend and I. And it didn't take long um, to know that it was racially motivated. My girlfriend and I are of different race and ethnicity, and me and my, um, he said some very, very hurtful things um, to, to me and my girlfriend, Blair. And so he continued to verbally say things, and he ended up leaving the restaurant with his kids. 
and a few moments, um, well, not a few minutes, maybe a couple of minutes, she and I left the restaurant as well. And as, we, as I was walking her towards her car, uh, he comes back with his truck. And I, I, I share this story um, to let you guys know that God moves powerfully through all things. Um, the, the things that happen in this story are not the victors. Jesus is the victor in this story in every situation that we face. And so he pulls through, and he continues to shout some very, very hurtful things to, to me and my girlfriend. And um, we're stunned. We're shocked. And he ends up driving off. She and I, it made sense. And he drove off, and she and I, we, 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 we prayed for him. And uh, we checked on each other to make sure that we were okay. And my girlfriend got in her car. She drove off. And then soon um, I drove off as well. And words hurt. Words linger. Over winter break, um, I decided to get off social media because that was, uh, I decided to get off of Instagram because that was a whole lot. But uh, I went on a walk. I went on a walk on Saturdays to uh, spend time with Jesus, to anchor in on his love. And on one of the days when I went on a walk, I ended up encountering this that someone wrote on the sidewalk. We can throw that picture up. Jesus loves you. I don't know who wrote that. I was just walking, praying and reflecting on the year, uh, the great things um, and the, the challenging things. And that encounter my girlfriend had was one of the things that I had to present to the Lord. Um, I was broken over it. It didn't make sense. But as I was praying and spending time walking, that reminder that Jesus loves me, that who Jesus is is what defines me, that nothing that anyone says, uh, no circumstance, no sin, none of those things define me, but who God is and his love for me. This is real life, y'all. This is real life. There is no thing, no situation that can be an anchor other than Jesus' love. This life is too wild. It's too crazy. It's too unpredictable. There is no way that I can walk without, anchored, without being anchored into Jesus' love. This is real life. And Jesus is strong enough. His love is wide enough. His love is big enough to anchor us through the storms. But not just us. Not just us. Not just our individual lives. We have an opportunity on our campuses to live in such a way that as we're anchored into God's love, people that are searching for a place to anchor and can see, wow, that's what it looks like to be secured into God's love. That's what it looks like to be able to stand when the waves and the wind is blowing and it's hard to stand. We can't ourselves be anchors. We need 
the love of Jesus to be our anchor. And that's what I want to invite you guys into. Will you anchor God's love, embracing Jesus' love for you? I want to ask the worship team to come up. You were made for God's love. Will you anchor into him? Will you trust him? Will you trust him to be your anchor? God initiates. He takes the first step. Will you respond to him? Will you position yourself to receive his light? There's no substitute. Imagine what our campuses would look like if we committed ourselves this year, this semester, to plant the flag down, to set our anchors down into Jesus' love, his love that transforms, his love that can't be contained. There are so many people who don't have hope. There are so many people who are into anxiety. We ourselves, we need to be reminded and to encounter God's love again and again and again. Let's lead the way by anchoring into God's love and as a result, growing and flourishing into the people that he's called us to be, reflecting his kingdom. Tonight, there are going to be some people coming towards the front. Uh, we have the opportunity to be prayed for. Um, and so for the folks that are going to be coming through, being able to pray for people, they can come forward now. And are you wilted? Are you dried out? Like that first picture that I showed at the beginning of Alfred, the aloe vera plant. He was away. He was away from the source. And so tonight, as we respond in worship, I want to invite all of us, every single one of us, to be able to take that step, to plant the flag down, to place our anchors down. No, God's love. I know I need his love. I need to be not just knowing his love, but to be able to experience his love day in and day out, and tonight is an opportunity to respond in that way, to receive his love, his love that never runs dry, that never runs out, that is faithful in every circumstance and situation. And so if you have questions about that, we're up here. We would love to pray for you and to walk you through that. Because um, here in Kyle, we're family. We're a community, but we're also family. And so tonight, let's, let's respond to that.